I'm Michelle Broadbent and welcome to your Business Boost podcast. Join me as I take you behind the scenes to show you what it's really like to build a successful business. I'll be sharing practical tools, advice and insights that will change the way you work. So if you're ready to boost your business and your life, let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Your Business Boost. Now, with it being a brand new financial year, this is typically a time that people start to give thought to how they're going to grow their business over the coming months. And I'm sure that you have come to the realization by now that to grow your business, you can't do everything yourself. I talk about this a lot and my guest today is here to share her wisdom around bringing people into your business. My guest is Leanne Hastings. She is the founder of Liana J Consulting, which is a HR consultancy based in South Australia. Now, for more than a decade, Leanne worked in the corporate HR world and then decided to take the plunge and go out on her own, creating her own small business to support other small businesses and uh, leading not-for-profits to be their go-to HR support. So what she does is she makes that seemingly complex world of HR easy to understand for all of us business owners. She helps them create productive, people-centered, compliant and genuinely happy workplaces, Um, whether they're right-sizing, smart-sizing, consequence managing, offshoring or outsourcing. There's so much jargon that uh, Leanne makes it her mission to decipher for her clients. She helps them as they fumble their way through, and I think for so many of us, she does understand that we are fumbling and bumbling and for many of us just making it up as we go along. And Leanne absolutely normalizes this. What I love about her is that she is not judgmental and as a result, she is a sought-after mentor and supporter for first-time managers and business owners, particularly if they're wanting to step into a leadership role. And she just has so much advice for us today. Leanne is an absolute breath of fresh air. She's honest, she's generous. And when she's not wearing her HR hat, you will find her hanging out with her husband and three kids on their farm on the York Peninsula. So we actually are also going to have a bit of a chat about the rise of the regional businesswoman today as well. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Leanne Hastings. Thank <laughs> you. 
Leanne, thank you so much for joining me today on the Your Business Boost podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. I said to you earlier, this is like Leanne's advice column uh, for people's ears because people can bring so much value to a growing business, but sadly, they can also bring pain. And as someone who provides that outsourced HR function for so many small business owners, you are there for the highs and the lows. Um, so I think for, for many people, people who are who are building their businesses they may never have even hired or managed people before so if someone is growing their business um, or considering growing their business by bringing in team what would you say are the key things that they need to consider before taking the plunge or if they've already taken the plunge um, things that they need to be aware of yeah look we really are there for the highs and lows like you say Michelle and Sometimes they're really ugly as well. And one of the things that I I want to share about bringing in HR expertise to your business is that it's our job to support you and not to judge you. Often employers will feel embarrassed about the state of their HR documents or their processes, and that holds them back from seeking the support that they need. Yeah, look, it would be great if we had all of our shit together before we created our team. But that rarely happens. And the very next best step is to get help now. Certainly bringing people into your business to to help you, regardless of of what state your stuff is in, Mm -hmm. um, is a really good idea. And, and, you know, we don't care whether whether you've got it all looking pretty or not. Um, We're there just to help you. But in terms of, I guess, expanding your team, the the very first thing that I talk to my clients about is getting really clear on what it is that you're looking for, spelling out that role. What does that new role look like? What tasks will they do? How much time will those tasks take? If it's your first hire, sometimes doing a time audit of your own time is a really good exercise as well. Identifying whether you need particular qualifications or skills or experience in that person and really getting a good feel for how that role contributes to the growth or the efficiency of your business. I had a client recently who came to me and said, I'm dying under the weight of admin. I need a receptionist to join her allied health practice. And we went through this exercise and we looked at the different tasks that were weighing on her and um, what this new role would look like for her. And what we identified was that the things that the main things that were causing her pain were things that we could outsource to people she'd already engaged to help in her business. So things like um, her invoicing of her clients was taking so much of her time. She already had a bookkeeper. So we just asked the bookkeeper to take on the invoicing. Mm-hmm. She was really struggling with onboarding her clients in the way that she wanted to. And with a little bit of research, we found some tech that allowed her to do that without having much of a touch point from herself. So what we then identified with what was left was really easily absorbed into her existing team. And there wasn't actually a need for, for bringing on someone new anyway. So um, getting really clear on what that role is um, and what you need is really important for the first step. And then also adding to that too is not just the skills and the 
the experience that you might need, but also the personal attributes. And for me, that's one of the most important parts because having a values alignment with you and your business is just um, absolute gold when it comes to adding to your team. You can have somebody who's really highly skilled, experienced, um, and looks perfect for you on paper, but if they don't come with the values that you need them to have and, and particular personality traits that you need them to have to represent your brand in the way that you want them to, mm. then you're setting yourself up for a world of pain and some really awkward and uncomfortable conversations. I guess an example of that is when you're hiring somebody to be the, that front of house person in a funeral home. If you're getting somebody who is really high energy and bubbly and <laughs> perhaps is a little bit clumsy with their communication, it's perhaps not the best uh, vibe to be putting out to your, your clients or your customers as they come through the door. So finding that alignment with personality attributes is really important too. Mm. Obviously, we need to look at as well things like um, how we will employ them. Will we Do we want them to be permanent or casual? And I'm finding at the moment, uh, post-COVID, a lot of employers who are still recovering from the last couple of years are looking to take the uh, what they perceive to be a low-risk option of get, bringing in casual employees. Um, and while I can certainly understand wanting to take that approach, there are rules around casual employment too that we need to be mindful of, things like patterns of employment and giving an advanced commitment to a certain number of hours and that kind of thing. So mm. that that's a really important consideration too. Mm. Money is obviously mm. an important <laughs> conversation, sometimes an awkward one, um, mm. but this is an example too of where HR is just one of your business partners and collaborating with your accountant in this space is really important too because if we go and find this really incredible person that's super high quality, uh, amazing skills and experience and you think, yes, they're my unicorn, um, that's all well and good, but if we can't afford to pay them, the salary that that caliber of person wants or needs mm. Mm. then we have to go back to the drawing board so it's important to establish that from the very beginning too and the final thing is compliance it's not sexy it's not that interesting and I can feel the eyes rolling as I'm speaking um, <laughs> but it is so important to have a solid foundation of compliance and I think that that's a really key part of establishing a healthy workplace culture an employment agreement um, to set out the terms and conditions of employment, a position description that outlines an employee's expectations and how they will judge the success of their employee, and some employee policies to guide behaviour while they're at work um, and to give guidance of what will happen when things go wrong. I think two fundamental elements of a successful employment relationship are clarity and consistency. Mm. And what I mean by that is clarity of your expectations and consistency in the way that you apply them. And a solid foundation of compliance is really helpful with that. Yeah, that's so brilliant, Leanne, because, and, and look, that's something that you absolutely shine a spotlight on in the work that you do. And I love, I love that you preface it. It's not the sexy part. But the thing is, for so many people who have like, you know, like I said earlier, who may never have hired 
team before, but this is the really important stuff. This is like the foundation that the business builds upon having that consistency, treating everyone equal, like, you know, treating all your children equally kind of thing. But, you know, what I absolutely loved about all that you have just said, Leanne, is how you started things off by saying that you are there as that support person and you don't judge because by saying that and sharing that with the listeners, you are normalizing the fact that there are very few people that you walk into their business and everything's just, you know, beautifully systemized, processified, all the compliance, everything's up to date and and fabulous because people don't know this stuff until they are actually in the position to be, you know, building a business and and that kind of thing. So thank you for sharing that in such a like helpful and non-judgmental way. It's so, so helpful. So, you know, you touched on on unicorns and actually attracting them is something that I want to talk about now because you and I have had many conversations um, and I'm talking to lots of people about the fact that there is like there's no denying that there's a candidate short shortage right now. Um, and you are in the process of, of as, as we record this, recruiting a unicorn in your business. And the, the ad that you put out was absolutely incredible. Um, and it has attracted some really fantastic candidates. I'd love to just talk about that. I'd love for you to share what you did and to talk about um, whether you think that, yeah, if, if it was that out-of-the-box approach that reeled them in and what would you suggest to small business owners who are struggling to attract the right talent at the moment? Yeah, look, it has been a really interesting process to recruit for myself. I've been helping business owners recruit uh, for their businesses for a really long time, but this has kind of been my first uh, attempt to recruit for myself. Um, And I guess I decided when I was going through that first step for myself in determining what the role looks like for my business, I decided to just throw the rule book out the window and see what I could learn, see if, if I could gather some, some new information to be able to share with my clients because it is a really tricky employment market right now and I wanted to see what how far I could push the boundaries, I suppose, and, and what that what results would come from that. Uh, So I wrote an ad that was um, a bit non-traditional, I suppose. I wrote it in the form of a letter to to my new employee and gave them a real feeling of what it was like or what it was going to be like to come and work for me. The overwhelming amount of feedback I received was how refreshing it was to read an ad that very clearly showed who I was. You know, I don't take life too seriously. Um, I like to have a laugh. I, you know, I was looking for somebody who wants a legitimate job. It's not that I have um, loose boundaries or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah. I wanted to really show them that while we do really great work, uh, we also have a lot of fun along the way too. Mm. And I wanted to really inject a lot of myself into that ad to give them a feeling of what it was going to be like to work here. Mm-hmm. And those that I shortlisted yep. um, were the ones who wrote back to me, who wrote a letter back to me, or they they showed me a piece of themselves in their response. Um, so that for me has attracted a lot of people who are 
interested in the work that I do and the clients that I work with. And that for me is one of the key things I'm looking for. I feel like if they can come to me with that attitude and that passion already implanted or embedded within them, then I can teach them the HR skills that I need them to. Yeah. It comes back to that values alignment that you, that you mentioned early, like, you know, it's, it's those personal attributes that are so that are so important because, like you said, you can teach people all sorts of things, but absolutely. you can't teach a person how to be within themselves. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for a role like that, and I've been loosely involved in recruiting a similar sort of position for one of my clients um, in the last couple of months, so the same sort of employment market, the results that I received in terms of the number of applications uh, and the number of people that I'm going to interview were significantly different. A lot of the applica- the roles that I'm looking to fill at the moment in a professional services type environment, yeah. we're getting perhaps a maximum of 15 to 20 applications. My applications closed yesterday and yeah. I would be approaching 50 applications wow. for this role. And quality applications too. I think that's the thing that we need to, yeah, underscore here is that it's not just volume but people that are completely not right. These are like quality candidates. Absolutely. There's certainly some tyre kickers in that. Yeah, yeah, there always is, yeah. (laughs) And even in a job where we get six, eight, ten applications, there's still tyre kickers in that as well. So, I mean, I'm waiting to see the whole process go through before I can can tell whether it has been a success or not. But Mm. what I have learned so far is that injecting our personality into our ads and really giving an emotive feeling to our potential candidates is a really great way of of starting that employment relationship. The other piece of advice that I give at the moment is to be proactive with your hiring because Mm. it's taking sometimes a really long time to find the right person. And if we can start hiring now for the the role that we're looking to fill in perhaps six to 12 months' time, Mm. By the time we get through our process and we find a group of people who are interested, whether our right person is in that group or not, we don't know yet. Mm. It could take us three or four months to find that person, which then puts us into a place where we're hiring from desperation rather than a place of, well, I've got time to wait for the right person. When we're desperate, we take the best of what we've got rather than giving ourselves time to find the very best person we can find for the job. Getting ourselves organised and having a little bit of insight as to where the business could be in in six to 12 months' time and find that person, the the person that the business needs then, to, rather than trying to fill a short-term pain, I think is is a really great way of handling a, a market that we're seeing right now. Yeah, that's such good advice because with those long lead times and and the candidate shortage, you know, the, the role that you're trying to fill could almost be superseded by the time you actually get the person in as your business continues to grow and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, And I think too, the another thing that candidates now are looking for that we yeah. perhaps haven't seen as much of before is they're not just looking for money either. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's going to take Mm -hmm. a little bit of time to build a value proposition to put out to these potential candidates as well. And 
value proposition is one of those terms that this industry throws around. Uh, I'm not big on using jargon terms, yeah. but what we mean by a value proposition is is working out what the business can offer in terms of monetary rewards, but also non-monetary rewards. And those non-monetary rewards are sometimes the the thing that will get your unicorn across the line. Because yes, we all want to be fairly remunerated for Mm. the work that we do, but Mm. we're also looking for how our employer can add value to our lives and support our lifestyle. And it might be that you give them flexibility to start late on a Friday because their children have school assembly and you want to be there every Friday for that assembly or you you want to be able to work a nine-day fortnight. If we can communicate that proposition to Mm -hmm. our client, to our potential candidates in our job ad, we have also another way of of connecting with the right people. Yes, yeah, that's uh, and and you and I have have had conversations about this because it's not all about money. Is it? Is it about you know being part of something aligned with something that you know that matches your values as a person? You know, and I see that a lot with particular um, businesses, especially in the you know like in the not for profit social enterprise, that sort of stuff where it's like, actually, I want to be a part of this. And I recognize that I might have to, you know, take a bit of a pay cut or whatever, but it aligns with my personal values. The flexibility piece is something that we have spoken about together because it's like, you know, with everyone working remotely and and the normalization of working remotely now, there is that the flexibility piece, but how do we how as as in, as employers as as business owners when we've got a business to run how do we manage that flexibility like what someone say guidelines but like because there are some you know obviously at the end of the day when we're hiring team sometimes the get the flexibility that we afford to new team members comes at the compromise of our own flexibility as business owners do you have any tips around how we can how we could manage that yeah I think it's a great point Michelle and I think what we need to remember is that flexibility is a two-way street Mm. it's not just about providing all of this flexibility to your employee to fit in with their life at the expense of other team members who perhaps have different circumstances you know often we talk about flexibility is required um, around children but Mm. What about those employees who don't have children yeah. and perhaps they might have a zest for travel or yes. they they might they might have elderly parents mm-hmm. who need different things from them. So while it's a two-way street, it's also not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, and so negotiating with each employee to work out what sort of flexibility they need that's important for their lives Mm. and then looking at how the business in the way it wants to run and in the way as a business owner you want to grow your business, Mm. how do they fit together? Because Mm. sometimes they don't. And I know at the moment it's really popular to offer a hybrid working arrangement. And while we have seen in recent years that that's definitely possible, Mm it's not always the right thing for the business. So 
juggling the the two, I guess, the the what's right for the business and what's right for employees, it, it, it is a really tricky juggle. Um, mm. But I think having open communication about that is yeah. absolutely vital. And communicating to your employee some of the things that perhaps you might not normally talk to your employee about, you know, this is what it looks like from my perspective. I'm trying to run a business that has these expenses or that will be incurring these additional expenses for you to be able to work from home. What value are you adding back to me by me offering you this opportunity? So there's lots of things to talk about and we certainly do need to kind of meet in the middle, I guess, between what the employer is looking for and, and the employee. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that because there are a lot of people who I'm speaking to who are struggling with team and the hybrid way of working because, you know, there are people who are flat out refusing to come back into the office and the business cannot function that way. Like no matter what anyone says, it's like there are times when people are needed in the office and it has been a real headache. So I I love that you have shared that it's okay to be that way. You're not like this monster that's trying to make all your team come and work in an office. It's like actually sometimes for some businesses that is the way that it needs to be but having that those open lines of communications and you know I talk about putting your big girl pants on but those are those big girl pants conversations that need to happen because if they don't ultimately it's you as the business owner that that suffers and your service delivery is potentially compromised because you've got people in your team who just they can't work the way that is required to be to be part of that business. So now speaking of the way in which people work, um, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier and I wanted to come back to it. And that was about the way in which someone works, whether they are a permanent hire, a casual, a contractor. And, you know, I, I love that you acknowledge that small business owners often try and work around what seems to be the most palatable way of, of bringing someone in without having to pay things like payroll tax, workers' comp super all of those because there's pros and cons to each and I would love for you to just go a little bit deeper there in terms of what we need to be aware of and what might look like the easy option like hire a contractor Um, sometimes that isn't necessarily the right thing to be doing so like you know what our obligations are for the various types and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we did, we touched earlier on the casual employee piece and um, and we have recently been provided with a little bit more guidance in terms of the legislation around what a casual employee is and what they aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't really get away anymore with having people work for us on an ongoing basis on a casual contract. Um, and there's lots of things that we can do and that we need to do to reassess those working arrangements contractors are much the same and it I certainly understand it's so tempting to to go and grab a contractor to fill a short-term issue because it's just easier there's less Mm. risk yeah I, I certainly understand that but the Fair Work Act has rules around contractors and I think knowing why these rules exist is a great place to start when it comes to determining whether or not a contractor is the right person for you and those rules, that they're called sham contracting rules, um, prevent employers from hiring contractors to avoid their responsibilities to provide entitlements. And it feels a bit uncomfortable, but mm. 
I think it's important as the employer to ask yourself that question. Is that my motivation for for hiring a contractor because I don't want to have to pay all those extra things or I don't want to have to manage the, the documentation? I could just get rid of them if they're not working out. I think it's important to ask yourself these questions. Do I want a contractor because I don't want to pay employee minimum wages? Do I want a contractor because I don't want to pay superannuation? Do I want them because I don't want to have to deal with leave or I want to be able to get rid of them? If the answer to most of those questions is yes, then we've got a bit of an issue and we need to start looking at whether a contractor is actually right for you or not. The things that we need to consider in order to comply when we're hiring a contractor are things like, do they run their own business for the purpose of of making a profit? Are they generating goodwill for their own business or are they generating goodwill for yours? Will they invoice you? How How will payment work? Do you get to negotiate with them on price? Do you set the price or does the the person providing the service set the price? How do you go about supplying equipment? Are they required to provide it themselves or are you providing it? All of these things is what we look at around when we're looking at employing a contractor. And one of the really tricky ones is around superannuation Mm. because the ATO has some rules around how contractors receive super and typically and I'd certainly recommend getting your accountant or Mm. perhaps a lawyer involved in in assessing whether you are responsible Um, but where contractors provide their labor only often superannuation is payable by the employer even if they are engaged as a contractor for super guarantee purposes they are considered an employee. So you will need to pay super for them at the statutory rate. So it's certainly an, it's another opportunity for us to collaborate as an mm. HR partner and an, a finance or accounting partner to work out what your obligations are. And please, please, please document these arrangements. Yes. Whether you go with an employee oh. or whether you go with a contractor, mm. an agreement is vital mm-hmm. for outlining the terms and conditions, how you're going into that arrangement and how you can get, get out of it as well. So also documenting when you bring on a contractor, documenting why you went that way. It yeah. might never be needed, mm-hmm. but if it is found later on that you have done the wrong thing and and we need to rectify it, then the reasons behind those decisions and having um, records of the conversations that you've had at the time are going to be really important too. Yeah. You just um, mentioned about getting out if things turned sour. Now, you have helped (laughs) a couple of my clients uh, when things haven't gone great with an employee. What what are the first steps that we should take if things are not working out? um, Instead of burying our head in the sand and pretending that it's not happening, what should we do if things aren't going well? Number one, as the employer, give yourself a break. It doesn't make you a bad employer because you've got an employee who's doing the wrong thing. Often it feels like you're the only person who has employee troubles because we don't necessarily like to talk about our shortcomings in that area. But let me tell you, every employer has been there before and they've all felt just as crap as you feel right now. Um, So give yourself a break. This is not a reflection necessarily on you as an employer. 
it's the nature of human beings that things are not going to be perfect all of the time. And very rarely in HR do we see things all neatly packaged up with a red bow on the top. Um, that's not what working with humans is all about. So that's the first piece of advice I want yeah. employers to take away is to, to give yourself a break. Secondly, we need to act on poor performance really quickly. Um, letting it fester, letting it continue on often feels like it's the, the easiest thing to do. We sometimes don't have a lot of time to go and initiate a performance management process or we don't really feel equipped to have that conversation or perhaps the performance or the behaviour that you don't like feels a little bit nitpicky to, to bring it up with them. But what happens when we don't bring it up is we're almost saying to the employee that that's okay with me because you haven't mentioned anything. They think, well, okay, this is this is all right for me to behave or, or to work in this way. Mm. And then they continue to do it. And before you know it, we've got a situation where the employer has had an absolute gutful of this person who continues to perform badly or continues to behave in a way that isn't aligned with their expectations. And often that's when I'm brought in, when they are at their complete wits end with yeah. this employee and they just want them gone now. Um, I can't deal with it anymore. I just, they're not right for this job. I just want them gone. I Like I understand that when we get into that situation, the ideal scenario would be that I can come in and just exit them from the business. And in most circumstances, we can't do that. We need to have a process and we need to have evidence to show that we have, have been fair in the way that we've managed a poor performance. So one of the first things I'll ask an employer is show me the evidence of what you've done until now to show this employee that you haven't, that they haven't been meeting your expectations. Have you provided them with clarity on your expectations and referring to their position description that we talked about before to, to outline those expectations again and reinforce what your expectations are in those areas? Have we given the employee a reasonable opportunity to show improvement once we've reaffirmed what those expectations are? Have we provided them with training or development opportunities to help them meet your expectations. One of the key things I'll make sure employers have done before we terminate any contract, unless it's for serious misconduct like fraud or theft or breach of policy or unsafe work practices, things like that, that's that's different. Mm. But one of the, the first things that I will look for is whether or not the previous conversations that they've had with their employee have included what the consequences of no improvement will be. Have we told the employee that if they don't meet our expectations and, and improve to this level by a certain time, that the potential consequence is termination of their employment? And that's a key part of a fair dismissal. So all of those documents, all of those conversations are so important to, to show our process when it comes to executing a fair dismissal. And that's what I want to see. And if I can't see it when I first come in, well, then we kind of start from the start yeah. and we have those tough conversations and we tell the employee that they're not meeting our expectation. We initiate a process that gives them the opportunity to improve and also gives us an exit strategy as well. Yeah, and it's all just part of that 
running a grown-up business, isn't it? Like having those grown-up conversations, those tough conversations. And I love that you have acknowledged that that they are tough. Like they're not. This is not the fun part of running a business. But sadly, it is it is it's part and parcel of working with people, <laughs> sadly. You Absolutely. Know. And the more often we have these conversations, the mm. better we get at them. Yeah. If you talk to even the most successful leaders that you look mm. up to, and ask them what their first uncomfortable conversation was like, they're going to tell you it went terribly, Mm. and they usually do. Mm. But the more we do it, the more comfortable we become with how to hold them and the the functions, I guess, of an effective, difficult conversation. I think for me, regardless of how tricky these conversations are, if we can underpin them with kindness and with compassion, at the end of the day, we're dealing with another human. Yeah. And on that level, we are exactly the same. Absolutely. So I'm treating them with kindness and respecting the way that they are feeling in that whole process is really important too. Because very rarely do you find an employee who wants to underperform or who wants yeah. to annoy their employer by doing things badly it's often they don't understand or they don't have the skills to do the job anymore or Mm. or perhaps they never did in the first place yeah that's right um so I think you know I I mentioned earlier about uh, as a small business owner that sort of becoming a leader and potentially managing staff for the very first time in in their career um do you believe that that there are just natural born leaders and others have to work on it? Or do you think that there's room for for everyone to grow into this sort of a role? Leadership is something that needs to be worked on constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, some of us enter the workforce with skills which perhaps lend themselves more to leadership than others. But even for those who leadership does come naturally to, it's something that needs to be worked on. Um, and being a good leader, I think, involves knowing your team and learning about what motivates them and what's important to them so that you can create an environment for them as their leader that allows them to succeed. And it helps to keep them engaged with their work and engaged with the company and the company values and, mm. and makes them feel happy to come to work. I think yeah. that's a key part of being a leader. Mm-hmm. And that's not a set and forget thing. The yeah. nature of human beings is that we change our mind. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the things that worked for us before don't work for us anymore or or the workforce changes, the working conditions change. And so our feelings towards that as employees change as well a good leader too I think has a really strong sense of themselves Mm. um, and that they have enough emotional intelligence to park their ego at the door super hard to do I understand that yes Um, but sometimes as a leader we receive feedback or we're asked to to do things in a certain way to help our team succeed that we don't necessarily agree with and that Mm. we perhaps wouldn't do for ourselves but it's not about us. It's about our team and it's Mm. about creating an environment that allows them to succeed, which in turn will allow us to succeed as their leader. So absolutely, I think leaders are, it can be created rather than born. What I see a lot with some of the larger clients that I work with is that employees are elevated to positions of leadership 
on the back of good performance. Um, they're given a fancy new title, a new position description and training on how to perform their new duties, but very rarely that comes with training on how to actually lead people. And most importantly, I think managing that really tricky shift in relationship between I was your work colleague yesterday and we were both in the same team working on the same things and now I'm going to manage you and now I'm I'm the one who's telling you what my expectations are of you. That's a huge change in relationship and navigating that, especially for a leader who hasn't done it before mm. and somebody who's new to that kind of role and they're still learning how to put their stamp on on leadership and and learning about the type of leader they want to be and also learning to trust that they have the skills to be a good leader yeah uh, which is so often what happens when we get put into that position is we want to lead in the way that our leaders led us which doesn't lend itself to authentic leadership so yeah look lots of uh, different facets in that too but being a good leader is something that we can absolutely work on and should work on forever. Should work on forever. I love that. So I want to shift gears a little bit and moving away from the HR stuff because I want to talk about the rise of rural business women. You know, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're based in um, rural South Australia and I am just seeing like incredible things in your business, but also in the businesses of women in your network and other rural women who are delivering really exceptional service to clients, um, not just in their local areas, but, you know, to the big smoke and beyond. And and I, I'm just so ridiculously impressed with what you do, but what what the other women in your world are doing as well. So I want to know, like, what do you think it is that makes working with a rural businesswoman so appealing? You're right. There are some incredible women in our regions doing mm. fabulous things. And I think one of the positives that has come out of the last couple of years is that these amazing women and their skills are a lot more accessible now yes. to people yeah. all across the world, really. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in my circumstances, I've seen my world open up to people interstate where I can give them the same kind of service that I do um, my clients based more lo locally to me. Uh, we're much more comfortable doing business over Zoom now, which I think opens up so many opportunities that we just haven't explored before. A little bit of media coverage, I think, doesn't hurt either. We've yeah. had um, organisations like Buy from the Bush and, yes. and similar sorts of businesses mm. uh, get some great exposure. And I think it has reminded people that just because we move to the country or we're born and, and raised in the country, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're all farmers or we're all um country people who do stereotypically country things mm. um so yeah i think that accessibility it mm. has been the key part of of seeing the rise of of regional business women and i am here for it yes yeah no i love it i just i'm loving watching all of you your little crew like uh, there's a there's a bunch of you from south australia who i'm just watching it's really wonderful so um leanne you have shared so much gold today and i really really appreciate your time and everything that you've that you've 
shared all those nuggets of gold for the listeners is amazing but I always like to ask my guests to leave us with a recommendation for our listeners something that's going to boost their business or their life something you've watched read listened to eaten experienced what is your recommendation well, I will put a bit of a language warning on this one, Michelle. You have given me <laughs> yeah. permission to, um, to show off my potty mouth here. My recommendation, we have in our house what the parents call fuck off Friday. The kids <laughs> call it as Friday movie night. Um, but fuck off Friday in our house is where I just want everybody to fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> Oh, Leanne, that is gold. (laughs) Friday nights where, you know, I go and pick the kids up. I I schedule my week so that I can finish early on a Friday. I finish when I pick the kids up off the school bus, which is at about quarter past three. I come home, I run a bath or I have a shower. I'm in my pyjamas by four o'clock. He is whatever the heck you can find for yourself. Um, And I find myself watching some very lowbrow TV and just get that time to myself to wind down. For me, it's actually really important in the transition between work mode and weekend mum family mode. And I could not recommend it more because it does give me the opportunity to just fill my own cup up a little bit it also gives me an opportunity to reflect on the the successes and and perhaps the not so successful things of the week and i guess park all of that then ready to to start again on monday seriously that, recommend fuck off friday that is you need to trademark that and we are <laughs> going to get this out into the world uh, this is fantastic and i could not agree more with having that just that transition time, you know, because the weeks are so full on and then flipping into like mum mode where, you you know, it's like Saturday sport, it's like, you know, the social, kids' social calendar, Uber driving for, you know, young people um, and whatever else, you know, your, I mean, you know, your extended family or whatever need of you. And it is, I just love that you carve out that time for yourself. Jamies are on at four absolute gold Leanne thank you for sharing that that is so cool love it too yes oh they would and you know what's going to be fun when they're teenagers and you can actually call it fuck off Friday like I I, I think my girls would just love it if I came home and implemented that I think that would be fantastic They hang out for Friday movie night yes, because yes. I buy them all the snacks that will yes. keep them entertained and away from me for most of the night. Um, yes. And I think it's really important for them. My kids are um, primary school age and yes. school is a big week for them too. Yes. So that kind of helps to balance out the mum guilt of taking that time for myself as well. Yeah, but they need the decompression as much as you do. You know, there's so um, much, their heads are full and, and yeah, they're just usually, I mean, my kids still as as teens are Fridays, they're tired. They are tired. Yeah, it's like, when do you get the downtime? Not until Sunday afternoon. Well, by then everyone's completely depleted. So I think that's fantastic. Leanne, where can, after after sharing that, it's like people are going to be like, where can I find this woman? Where can I get more Leanne in my life? So how can people connect with you? Well, I hang out mostly on Instagram where they can catch me at leanna.j.consulting. 
uh, or LinkedIn. I am desperately trying to level up my um, presence on LinkedIn. Okay, um, everyone go and follow Leanne on LinkedIn. <laughs> you can also hop on over to my website, uh, leannaj.com.au, um, sign up to my monthly newsletters. They're called Real, Raw and Relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's a, a bite-sized newsletter. I try not to impact your inbox too heavily with those, um, which gives you some really important but easily uh, digestible HR information with a touch of behind the scenes and a serious dose of relatability. I'm all about opening up the doors of the shit show that uh, oh, is you are. Time. Very, very relatable. <laughs> you'll also find there, um, you'll be the first to hear about our leadership workshops that we're developing. We spoke about before those leaders who are promoted internally and, and don't necessarily get that leadership training. So that's in the works here at Leanna J. And being on my newsletter list, you'll get some early bird prices and, and you'll be the first to hear about it. Fantastic. Leanne, thank you so much. You've been absolutely fantastic. You've shared, as I said, so much gold relatability is that you that you mentioned in that that newsletter that is you you are so relatable and I hope that by listening to this episode today that our listeners are like oh yeah you know she gets me she understands what this is all about so thank you so much thank you for having me it's been fun oh how awesome is Leanne I just think she's such a clever clever cookie she is a wealth of information and I am very fortunate to have her in my world and I'm really excited to have shared her with you today. She's one of the women in my Wing Woman group and I just love supporting her as she builds this really, really important business. Now, if off the back of this chat, you're feeling like it's time to think about bringing in a new hire into your business, remember what she said about allowing plenty of time to find the best person for the job. Don't leave it to the last minute. Uh, It's time to start preparing. And if you want that entire process laid out for you step-by-step, check out my Finding Unicorns program, which will give you everything you need to prepare to find and keep unicorn support in your business. It is available now for self-paced learning, okay? You do not need to wait for doors to open or anything like that. It is evergreen. It's available at michellebroadbent.online forward slash finding dash unicorns. I will put the link to that in the show notes for more information, but have an amazing amazing week and I will speak to you next week for another very jam-packed episode of Your Business Boost. Thanks for sharing some of your day with me today. I hope it's given you a little boost. To continue the conversation or access any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit michellebroadbent.com.au. And if you want to give me a boost, you can hit subscribe and be sure to tell your friends. Speak soon.